Section 12 of Reflections on the Revolution in France. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reflections on the Revolution in France and on the proceedings in certain societies in London relative to that event. In a letter intended to have been sent to a gentleman in Paris, 1790, by Edmund Burke. Section 12 this same wealth which is at all times treason and laissez nation to indigent and rapacious despotism under all modes of polity was your temptation to violate property law and religion united in one object but was the state of france so wretched and undone that no other resource but rapine remained to preserve its existence on this point i wish to receive some information when the states met was the condition of the finances of france such that after economizing on principles of justice and mercy through all departments no fair repartition of burdens upon all the orders could possibly restore them if such an equal imposition would have been sufficient you well know it might easily have been made m necker in the budget which he laid before the orders assembled at versailles made a detailed exposition of the state of the french nation if we give credit to him it was not necessary to have recourse to any new impositions whatsoever to put the receipts of france on a balance with its expenses he stated the permanent charges of all descriptions including the interest of a new loan of four hundred millions at five hundred and thirty one million four hundred and forty four thousand livres the fixed revenue at four hundred and seventy five million two hundred and ninety four thousand making the deficiency fifty six million one hundred fifty thousand or short of two million two hundred thousand pounds sterling but to balance it he brought forward savings and improvements of revenue considered as entirely certain to rather more than the amount of that deficiency and he concludes with these emphatical words quel pays messieurs que celui où sans impôts et avec de simples objets inaperçus on peut faire disparaître un déficit qui a fait tant de bruit en europe as to the reimbursement the sinking of debt and the other great objects of public credit and political arrangement indicated in m necker's speech no doubt could be entertained but that a very moderate and proportioned assessment on the citizens without distinction would have provided for all of them to the fullest extent of their demand if this representation of m necker was false then the assembly are in the highest degree culpable for having forced the king to accept as his minister and since the king's deposition for having employed as their minister a man who had been capable of abusing so notoriously the confidence of his master and their own in a matter too of the highest moment and directly appertaining to his particular office but if the representation was exact as having always along with you conceived a high degree of respect for m necker i make no doubt it was then what can be said in favor of those who instead of moderate reasonable and general contribution have in cold blood and impelled by no necessity had recourse to a partial and cruel confiscation was that contribution refused on a pretext of privilege either on the part of the clergy or on that of the nobility no certainly as to the clergy they even ran before the wishes of the third order previous to the meeting of the states they had in all their instructions 
expressly directed their deputies to renounce every immunity which put them upon a footing distinct from the condition of their fellow-subjects in this renunciation the clergy were even more explicit than the nobility but let us suppose that the deficiency had remained at the fifty-six millions or two million two hundred thousand pounds sterling as at first stated by m necker let us allow that all the resources he opposed to that deficiency were impudent and groundless fictions and that the assembly or their lords of articles at the jacobins were from thence justified in laying the whole burden of that deficiency on the clergy footnote in the constitution of scotland during the stuart reigns a committee sat for preparing bills and none could pass but those previously approved by them this committee was called lords of articles and a footnote yet allowing all this a necessity of two million two hundred thousand pounds sterling will not support a confiscation to the amount of five millions the imposition of two million two hundred thousand pounds on the clergy as partial would have been oppressive and unjust but it would not have been altogether ruinous to those on whom it was imposed and therefore it would not have answered the real purpose of the managers perhaps persons unacquainted with the state of france on hearing the clergy and the noblesse were privileged in point of taxation may be led to imagine that previous to the revolution these bodies had contributed nothing to the state this is a great mistake they certainly did not contribute equally with each other nor either of them equally with the commons they both however contributed largely neither nobility nor clergy enjoyed any exemption from the excise on consumable commodities from duties of custom or from any of the other numerous indirect impositions which in france as well as here make so very large a proportion of all payments to the public the noblesse paid the capitation they paid also a land tax called the twentieth penny to the height sometimes of three sometimes of four shillings in the pound both of them direct impositions of no light nature and no trivial produce the clergy of the provinces annexed by conquest to france which in extent make about an eighth part of the whole but in wealth a much larger proportion paid likewise to the capitation and the twentieth penny at the rate paid by the nobility the clergy in the old provinces did not pay the capitation but they had redeemed themselves at the expense of about twenty-four millions or a little more than a million sterling they were exempted from the twentieths but then they made free gifts they contracted debts for the state and they were subject to some other charges the whole computed at about a thirteenth part of their clear income they ought to have paid annually about forty thousand pounds more to put them on a par with the contribution of the nobility when the terrors of this tremendous proscription hung over the clergy they made an offer of a contribution through the archbishop of i which for its extravagance ought not to have been accepted but it was evidently and obviously more advantageous to the public creditor than anything which could rationally be promised by the confiscation why was it not accepted the reason is plain there was no desire that the church should be brought to serve the state the service of the state was made a pretext to destroy the church in their way to the destruction of the church they would not scruple to destroy their country and they have destroyed it 
one great end in the project would have been defeated if the plan of extortion had been adopted in lieu of the scheme of confiscation the new landed interest connected with the new republic and connected with it for its very being could not have been created this was among the reasons why that extravagant ransom was not accepted the madness of the project of confiscation on the plan that was first pretended soon became apparent to bring this unwieldy mass of landed property enlarged by the confiscation of all the vast landed domain of the crown at once into market was obviously to defeat the profits proposed by the confiscation by depreciating the value of those lands and indeed of all the landed estates throughout france such a sudden diversion of all its circulating money from trade to land must be an additional mischief what step was taken did the assembly on becoming sensible of the inevitable ill effects of their projected sale revert to the offers of the clergy no distress could oblige them to travel in a course which was disgraced by any appearance of justice giving over all hopes from a general immediate sale another project seems to have succeeded they proposed to take stock in exchange for the church lands in that project great difficulties arose in equalizing the objects to be exchanged other obstacles also presented themselves which threw them back again upon some project of sale the municipalities had taken an alarm they would not hear of transferring the whole plunder of the kingdom to the stockholders in paris many of those municipalities had been upon system reduced to the most deplorable indigence money was nowhere to be seen they were therefore led to the point that was so ardently desired they panted for a currency of any kind which might revive their perishing industry the municipalities were then to be admitted to a share in the spoil which evidently rendered the first scheme if ever it had been seriously entertained altogether impracticable public exigencies pressed upon all sides the minister of finance reiterated his call for supply with a most urgent anxious and boding voice thus pressed on all sides instead of the first plan of converting their bankers into bishops and abbots instead of paying the old debt they contracted a new debt at three per cent creating a new paper currency founded on an eventual sale of the church lands they issued this paper currency to satisfy in the first instance chiefly the demands made upon them by the bank of discount the great machine or paper mill of their fictitious wealth the spoil of the church was now become the only resource of all their operations in finance the vital principle of all their politics the sole security for the existence of their power it was necessary by all even the most violent means to put every individual on the same bottom and to bind the nation in one guilty interest to uphold this act and the authority of those by whom it was done in order to force the most reluctant into a participation of their pillage they rendered their paper circulation compulsory in all payments those who consider the general tendency of their schemes to this one object as a centre and a centre from which afterwards all their measures radiate will not think that i dwell too long upon this part of the proceedings of the national assembly to cut off all appearance of connection between the crown and public justice and to bring the whole under implicit obedience to the dictators in paris 
the old independent judicature of the parliaments with all its merits and all its faults was wholly abolished whilst the parliaments existed it was evident that the people might some time or other come to resort to them and rally under the standard of their ancient laws it became however a matter of consideration that the magistrates and officers in the courts now abolished had purchased their places at a very high rate for which as well as for the duty they performed they received but a very low return of interest simple confiscation is a boon only for the clergy to the lawyers some appearances of equity are to be observed and they are to receive compensation to an immense amount their compensation becomes part of the national debt for the liquidation of which there is the one exhaustless fund the lawyers are to obtain their compensation in the new church paper which is to march with the new principles of judicature and legislature the dismissed magistrates are to take their share of martyrdom with the ecclesiastics or to receive their own property from such a fund and in such a manner as all those who have been seasoned with the ancient principles of jurisprudence and had been the sworn guardians of property must look upon with horror even the clergy are to receive their miserable allowance out of the depreciated paper which is stamped with the indelible character of sacrilege and with the symbols of their own ruin or they must starve so violent an outrage upon credit property and liberty as this compulsory paper currency has seldom been exhibited by the alliance of bankruptcy and tyranny at any time or in any nation in the course of all these operations at length comes out the grand arcanum that in reality and in a fair sense the lands of the church so far as anything certain can be gathered from their proceedings are not to be sold at all by the late resolutions of the national assembly they are indeed to be delivered to the highest bidder but it is to be observed that a certain portion only of the purchase money is to be laid down a period of twelve years is to be given for the payment of the rest the philosophic purchasers are therefore on payment of a sort of fine to be put instantly into possession of the estate it becomes in some respects a sort of gift to them to be held on the feudal tenure of zeal to the new establishment this project is evidently to let in a body of purchasers without money the consequence will be that these purchasers or rather grantees will pay not only from the rents as they accrue which might as well be received by the state but from the spoil of the materials of buildings from waste in woods and from whatever money by hands habituated to the grippings of usury they can wring from the miserable peasant he is to be delivered over to the mercenary and arbitrary discretion of men who will be stimulated to every species of extortion by the growing demands on the growing profits of an estate held under the precarious settlement of a new political system when all the frauds imposters violences rapines burnings murders confiscations compulsory paper currencies and every description of tyranny and cruelty employed to bring about and to uphold this revolution have their natural effect that is to shock the moral sentiments of all virtuous and sober minds the abettors of this philosophic system immediately strain their throats in a declamation against the old monarchical government of france when they have rendered that deposed power sufficiently black 
they then proceed in argument as if all those who disapprove of their new abuses must of course be partisans of the old that those who reprobate their crude and violent schemes of liberty ought to be treated as advocates for servitude i admit that their necessities do compel them to this base and contemptible fraud nothing can reconcile men to their proceedings and projects but the supposition that there is no third option between them and some tyranny as odious as can be furnished by the records of history or by the invention of poets this prattling of theirs hardly deserves the name of sophistry it is nothing but plain impudence have these gentlemen never heard in the whole circle of the worlds of theory and practice of anything between the despotism of the monarch and the despotism of the multitude have they never heard of a monarchy directed by laws controlled and balanced by the great hereditary wealth and hereditary dignity of a nation and both again controlled by a judicious check from the reason and feelings of the people at large acting by a suitable and permanent organ is it then impossible that a man may be found who without criminal ill intention or pitiable absurdity shall prefer such a mixed and tempered government to either of the extremes and who may repute that nation to be destitute of all wisdom and of all virtue which having in its choice to obtain such a government with ease or rather to confirm it when actually possessed thought proper to commit a thousand crimes and to subject their country to a thousand evils in order to avoid it is it then a truth so universally acknowledged that a pure democracy is the only tolerable form into which human society can be thrown that a man is not permitted to hesitate about its merits without the suspicion of being a friend to tyranny that is of being a foe to mankind i do not know under what description to class the present ruling authority in france it affects to be a pure democracy though i think it in a direct train of becoming shortly a mischievous and ignoble oligarchy but for the present i admit it to be a contrivance of the nature and effect of what it pretends to i reprobate no form of government merely upon abstract principles there may be situations in which the purely democratic form will become necessary there may be some very few and very particularly circumstanced where it would be clearly desirable this i do not take to be the case of france or of any other great country until now we have seen no examples of considerable democracies the ancients were better acquainted with them not being wholly unread in the authors who had seen the most of those constitutions and who best understood them i cannot help concurring with their opinion that an absolute democracy no more than absolute monarchy is to be reckoned among the legitimate forms of government they think it rather a corruption and degeneracy than the sound constitution of a republic if i recollect rightly aristotle observes that a democracy has many striking points of resemblance with a tyranny footnote when i wrote this i quoted from memory after many years had elapsed from my reading the passage a learned friend has found it and it is as follows the ethical character is the same both exercise despotism over the better class of citizens and decrees are in the one what ordinances and arites are in the other the demagogue too and the court favorite are not unfrequently the same identical men and always bear a close analogy 
and these have the principal power each in their respective forms of government favorites with the absolute monarch and demagogues with a people such as i have described aristotle's politics End of, footnote. of this i am certain that in a democracy the majority of the citizens is capable of exercising the most cruel oppressions upon the minority whenever strong divisions prevail in that kind of polity as they often must and that oppression of the minority will extend to far greater numbers and will be carried on with much greater fury than can almost ever be apprehended from the dominion of a single sceptre in such a popular persecution individual sufferers are in a much more deplorable condition than in any other under a cruel prince they have the balmy compassion of mankind to assuage the smart of their wounds they have the plaudits of the people to animate their generous constancy under their sufferings but those who are subjected to wrong under multitudes are deprived of all external consolation they seem deserted by mankind overpowered by a conspiracy of their whole species but admitting democracy not to have that inevitable tendency to party tyranny which i suppose it to have and admitting it to possess as much good in it when unmixed as i am sure it possesses when compounded with other forms does monarchy on its part contain nothing at all to recommend it i do not often quote bolingbroke nor have his works in general left any permanent impression on my mind he is a presumptuous and a superficial writer but he has one observation which in my opinion is not without depth and solidity he says that he prefers a monarchy to other governments because you can better engraft any description of republic on a monarchy than anything of monarchy upon the republican forms i think him perfectly in the right the fact is so historically and it agrees well with the speculation i know how easy a topic it is to dwell on the faults of departed greatness by a revolution in the state the fawning sycophant of yesterday is converted into the austere critic of the present hour but steady independent minds when they have an object of so serious a concern to mankind as government under their contemplation will disdain to assume the part of satirists and declaimers they will judge of human institutions as they do of human characters they will sort out the good from the evil which is mixed in mortal institutions as it is in mortal men your government in france though usually and i think justly reputed the best of the unqualified or ill-qualified monarchies was still full of abuses these abuses accumulated in a length of time as they must accumulate in every monarchy not under the constant inspection of a popular representative i am no stranger to the faults and defects of the subverted government of france and i think i am not inclined by nature or policy to make a panegyric upon anything which is a just and natural object of censure but the question is not now of the vices of that monarchy but of its existence is it then true that the french government was such as to be incapable or undeserving of reform so that it was of absolute necessity the whole fabric should be at once pulled down and the area cleared for the erection of a theoretic experimental edifice in its place all france was of a different opinion in the beginning of the year seventeen eighty nine the instructions to the representatives of the states-general from every district in that kingdom were filled with projects for the reformation of that government without the remotest suggestion of a design to destroy it 
had such a design been then even insinuated i believe there would have been but one voice and that voice for rejecting it with scorn and horror men have been sometimes led by degrees sometimes hurried into things of which if they could have seen the whole together they never would have permitted the most remote approach when those instructions were given there was no question but that abuses existed and that they demanded a reform nor is there now in the interval between the instructions and the revolution things changed their shape and in consequence of that change the true question at present is whether those who would have reformed or those who have destroyed are in the right to hear some men speak of the late monarchy of france you would imagine that they were talking of persia bleeding under the ferocious sword of thomas Khan, or at least describing the barbarous anarchic despotism of turkey where the finest countries in the most genial climates in the world are wasted by peace more than any countries have been worried by war where arts are unknown where manufactures languish where science is extinguished where agriculture decays where the human race itself melts away and perishes under the eye of the observer was this the case of france i have no way of determining the question but by a reference to facts facts do not support this resemblance along with much evil there is some good in monarchy itself and some corrective to its evil from religion from laws from manners from opinions the french monarchy must have received which rendered it though by no means a free and therefore by no means a good constitution a despotism rather in appearance than in reality among the standards upon which the effects of government on any country are to be estimated i must consider the state of its population as not the least certain no country in which population flourishes and is in progressive improvement can be under a very mischievous government about sixty years ago the intendants of the generalities of france made with other matters a report of the population of their several districts i have not the books which are very voluminous by me nor do i know where to procure them i am obliged to speak by memory and therefore the less positively but i think the population of france was by them even at that period estimated at twenty-two millions of souls at the end of the last century it had been generally calculated at eighteen on either of these estimations france was not ill-peopled monsieur necker who is an authority for his own time at least equal to the intendants for theirs reckons and upon apparently sure principles the people of france in the year seventeen eighty at twenty four millions six hundred and seventy thousand but was this the probable ultimate term under the old establishment dr price is of the opinion that the growth of population in france was by no means at its acme in that year i certainly defer to dr price's authority a good deal more in these speculations than i do in his general politics this gentleman taking ground on m necker's data is very confident that since the period of that minister's calculation the french population has increased rapidly so rapidly that in the year seventeen eighty nine he will not consent to rate the people of that kingdom at a lower number than thirty millions after abating much and much i think ought to be abated from the sanguine calculations of dr price i have no doubt that the population of france did increase considerably during this latter period 
but supposing that it increased to nothing more than will be sufficient to complete the twenty-four millions six hundred and seventy thousand to twenty-five millions still a population of twenty-five millions and that in an increasing progress on a space of about twenty-seven thousand square leagues is immense it is for instance a good deal more than the proportionable population of this island or even than that of england the best peopled part of the united kingdom it is not universally true that france is a fertile country considerable tracts of it are barren and labor under other natural disadvantages in the portions of that territory where things are more favorable as far as i am able to discover the numbers of the people correspond to the indulgence of nature the generality of lyle this i admit is the strongest example upon an extent of four hundred and four leagues and a half about ten years ago contained seven hundred and thirty four thousand six hundred souls which is one thousand seven hundred and seventy two inhabitants to each square league the middle term for the rest of france is about nine hundred inhabitants to the same admeasurement i do not attribute this population to the deposed government because i do not like to compliment the contrivances of men with what is due in a great degree to the bounty of providence but that decried government could not have obstructed most probably it favored the operation of those causes whatever they were whether of nature in the soil or habits of industry among the people which has produced so large a number of the species throughout that whole kingdom and exhibited in some particular places such prodigies of population i never will suppose that fabric of a state to be the worst of all political institutions which by experience is found to contain a principle favorable however latent it may be to the increase of mankind End of section twelve